Well, welcome in one more time to the Remnant Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Larry Raglan. I'm so honored that you guys would take the time, you guys and ladies, would take the time to listen to this podcast, Your Busy Life. And I know you do that because you are the remnant. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of places you can go and hear people talking to the remnant and about the remnant. This is called the Remnant Leadership Podcast because it's not just about the remnant. It is about you as a leader. And we like to come on here each week and every often, ever so often that we can and just talk to you about some principles to help you be that leader in this moment of the remnant. And I want to talk to you just quickly today um, about a very familiar story in the scripture. It's the story of Gideon, and most of you could preach it, teach it, tell it left and right, uh, and you know the highlights of the story. But I want to hit a few things about Gideon and about this moment that we're in right now that I believe will help you. And I, I say this a lot, and I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast right now, to just say, I take ownership of this moment. I take ownership of this moment because you've been called for this moment. You, This is not just any moment. This is the moment, I believe, for the church to shine. This is the greatest opportunity the church has seen in my lifetime and probably your lifetime and, quite frankly, for generations. There is so much going on in the world that's chaos. There is so much darkness that seems to be gripping this whole world. But in the midst of that darkness and chaos, there is a remnant rising. And this is the moment of the remnant. This is the time of the remnant. And that's you. And it's time for you to take ownership of it. Okay. The reason you're listening to this podcast is because God is trying to bring you to voices in your world and in your life through technology, through relationship that will speak into your life and pull that out of you. And that's what my mandate from God is is to get on this podcast, sit in front of this microphone, and speak out of my heart and pull out of you the gifts and the callings of God that maybe you've suppressed, maybe you don't think you're qualified to walk in, but if you search down deep in your heart, you'll know that that is who you are. You are a leader. You're a Gideon leader. Now, um, Throughout Scripture, there are people who were called to do great things for God that felt completely inadequate, that felt that they did not deserve to be that person. Um, they're the unqualified. They're the Many of them are unnamed, um, certainly unqualified, and Gideon is no different. Um, Gideon throughout his life probably felt and did the scripture did tell us that he felt like he was not worthy of the call. And I just got a feeling that maybe some people that are listening to this podcast have gone through that or maybe going through that right now. Maybe you've made some mistakes. Maybe you made some bad decisions. And you put yourself in a place where you've disqualified yourself. Now, remember that God said in his word that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. So, you know, he hasn't disqualified you. Now, now let me back up and let me just clarify that. If you if you are involved in sinful decisions, sinful things, and and that you're in the restoration process of time, uh, healing in your life, you do need to step aside. You do do need to sit down and be healed. But just because you messed up and just because you did something stupid doesn't mean you're disqualified for the rest of your life to serve God. 
The book of Judges chapter 6 tells us, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat up under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah. Not Oprah. <laughs> Ophrah. Oh, man. I'm tired. Which belonged to Joash the Abrazite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now listen to this. God speaks to the angel, and the angel says, you are a mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar? You ever been to a place where you just like, not only have you disqualified yourself, you're looking around, you're going, my God. God, you've almost, uh, I hate to say it this way, disqualified yourself in the eyes of people because we really need you to step up and do a miracle and it looks like you've abandoned us. Well, looks can be deceiving. So, Gideon said, you know, why has this all happened to us? And where are all the miracles which our father told us about? I love that line. I mean, he's not afraid to say it to God. He's not afraid to call, to speak boldly to God. You know, God says, hey, you're a mighty man of valor. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. You are a mighty man of valor. He goes, oh, so he's with me? If the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened? And where are the miracles which our fathers told us about? saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel. Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel. And then he says, Have I not sent you? In other words, he's not listening. He's not listening to what Gideon has to say about himself and even about what he's trying to throw up into the face of, of God himself. He's like, I hear you, but I just told you you're a mighty man of valor, and now I want to remind you again, you are mighty. Go in that might of yours and save Israel. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. So he disqualifies himself again. He says, My tribe is the weakest, and I'm the weakest in the weakest tribe. I mean, you, you can't get more disqualified than that. It's like I, not only am I from a dysfunctional family, I'm the most dysfunctional one in the dysfunctional family. <laughs> That's what he's trying to say. Um, but the Lord replied again without, he, he said, I'm not listening to this mess. The Lord said, I will be with you and you will defeat the Midianites as one man, as one man. Now I can tell you personally for myself, um, I can relate to this story. Uh, many of you know my story. Many of you read my book, and you you know what I went through as a child. I was abused by my father. Uh, I was told that I was uh, a, just a horrible person, that I was a horrible – and I'm, I'm talking about a kid. I mean, I was like 9 or 10 years old and younger, and I was just told that I was a, just a bum. I wasn't going to amount to be anything. And, you know, when you, when you hear that as a child – and then you go through the times of uh, teenager years and young adult, and you and you just don't know anything other than what you've been told. You you continuously disqualify yourself. And most people that have a low self esteem, uh, a lot of them did like I did. They they learn how to fake it and uh, make people you know hide it from people so they can't see it. So on the outside, it looks like they got it all together. They're popular. They're happy. Their their life is just amazing. 
but on the inside they're dying. And that's the story of a Gideon type leader. You know, unless something happens in his life uh, to help him see who he is, it's very difficult for him to ever be that. I was dropped. I was broken. Uh, I was I was abused. Um, I barely graduated high school. And I sit here before this microphone today, and I can tell you that I wished I would have went to college, but it didn't work out. So I have no college education, no formal training or ministry of any kind, uh, let alone pastoring. God called me to pastor a church, and I had no training of a pastor. I had no pastor friends. I had no pastor mentor. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that I'd been called by God. And, you know, but I'll tell you what, I hadn't just been called by God. I've been called by God to do big things. And I realized that. I look back over my life. You know, our church started with about 10 people. Then, of course, we moved over to what we call the little white building. And that little white building was literally a little white building. And it seated probably about 50 people max. But we had some tremendous services. We had big vision. God began to still speak to me. And then we moved on to several different buildings until we got to where we're at right now. And at the time of this recording, you know, I've been pastoring this church since we planted it 28 years ago. So, you know, I for so long in my life uh, in ministry, quite frankly, I was not really ever considered a success by other pastors. I, I've never... Uh, for for a very long time, had people looking to me as a mentor, and and in fact, I many times I was I really felt like I was talked down to. I was you know disrespected, and I would see so many other people in success, and I would see them you know having musicians and beautiful buildings and all of this, and staff and paid staff, and I didn't have none of that, but I just kept being faithful. I just kept showing up and. Now, as I get into my papa years and, you know, now, like I said, pushing 30 years of passing this church and well over 30 years in ministry altogether. Now, all of a sudden, you know, a lot of people look at us as as mentors and leaders and my wife and I are spiritual father and mother. And we lead a network of churches now. And, you know, I pastor pastors. I'm a bishop. I'm an overseer. All these kind of things. I don't drop those titles just to to brag. I just say that. They came from consistency. They came from just showing up. And I had to fight through a lot of insecurities. I had to fight through a lot of um, second-guessing and discouragement. And, you know, Gideon was was there too. Many, many of the times people will disqualify themselves and say negative things about them, not because they really feel like they're just not any good. They, they do that because they have just not seen much success in the natural realm and it wears on you. It just begins to wear on you. And and Gideon had probably begged to do, to beg God and even encouraged himself at one point in his life to do something great for God. But when he didn't see the manifestation in the natural realm, he just he just accepted. Yeah, yeah. What our tribe is, what everybody says it is, and and I'm the weakest of all of them. But God didn't accept that. God called him a mighty man of valor. You know, just because you don't see it doesn't mean that's not the truth. And God sees things in us that we can't see in ourselves. He'll put people in our lives that can see things in us that we can't see in ourselves. You know, Gideon called himself weak, and he called himself the least. He said, how can I save Israel? But God kept saying, you are the mighty. You are the mighty one, and you will 
bring a victory to the house of God as one man. See, Gideon hid from the Midianites in the wine press while they threshed out the wheat in the wine press. Do you understand the power of that, of what this, what was going on there? I want you to listen to and see if this sounds familiar in your life. He hid in the wine press, and he threshed out the wheat in the wine press. That is not what the wine press is made for. See, you are supposed to uh, thresh. You are not supposed to th- uh, thresh wheat in the wine press. The threshing floor is the place of dealing with the wheat. And, of course, the symbolism of that is the dealing with your sin. It's the place of separating the wheat from the stalk. But the wine press is the place of pressing into your anointing. So he tried to hide and he tried to get away from the place of threshing and go straight to the place of the anointing. And the reality is this, if you're going to be a leader in the remnant, there's going to be a price to pay. You can't skip the threshing floor and go straight to the to the to the anointing. You can you can drink of the new wine, but you're going to have to go through the threshing. You're going to have to deal with that sin. You're going to have to deal with that insecurity. So many times our image of ourselves is we you know shaped in the midst of fear. Mine was shaped in the midst of fear. I was intimidated and I had to fake my way through things to to quite frankly help me deal with the life of fear. And there was times in my life as a young boy I can remember just hearing the sound of of my dad's truck pulling up in the driveway, knowing that I had not completed everything he told me to complete, knowing what that was going to mean. And and that just scarred me and and shaped me, quite frankly, shaped me into what I had to work to get through. Now, if you know the rest of the story of Gideon, in chapter 7, verse 2, it says, And the Lord said to Gideon, These people who are with you, that are going into battle with you, are too many for me. Too many for me. Notice he didn't say, Gideon, they're too many for you, because the reality is this. Gideon didn't think he had enough men uh, already at the very beginning, not let alone at the end of the story. But God said, look, this you got to understand something. I'm big picture. I see I can do more with a smaller crowd that's that's remnant than I can with a big crowd that's playing church. So he said, this crowd is too big for me to give the Midianites into your hands. Let Israel, lest Israel claim victory for itself, saying, my own hand saved me. In other words, God's not going to share his glory with anybody. He's not going to share his glory with anybody. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart once from Mount Gilead. So he said, first thing you do to... Um, to weed out the to trying to find the remnant is this. Ask anyone here that's just be honest and tell them, not going to be any judgment come on you, just be real with me. How many here are scared to death and you feel like there's no way you're going to survive this and you're scared to death and you'd rather go home? 22,000 people returned. 22,000. And 10,000 remain. So they start out with 32,000. 22,000 people said, I'm too scared to go into battle. Okay? They're left with 10,000. Now, 10,000 is a lot of people. But 10,000 is not a lot of people when it comes to the Midianites. They were, they were outnumbered dramatically with having 10,000. And, and quite frankly, uh, you know, 
he was still excited. <laughs> I mean, Gideon was still saying, hey, 10,000 people, I've got 10,000 people. It's not just me. But then the Lord shocked Gideon again and said, the people are still too many. Now, now, now this right here is the, is the part that makes Gideon, the story of Gideon so famous. And it's just amazing. God is so awesome how he, how he does things. And remember, we're talking about being a Gideon leader, but we're talking about the Gideon remnant, the Gideon remnant, the Gideon remnant leaders. And, and here's, how, here's how they came into being. So there's 10,000 left. The Bible says in Judges chapter 7, verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many, bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. I will test them for you there at the water. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And whoever, whoever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. Now, watch this. So he brought them down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you need to set them apart by himself. Set them apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on their knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped putting their hand to their mouth was 300. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then Gideon said, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man into his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands. Now watch this. See, one of the ways that the remnant is separated is this. Those that got down on their hands and knees and lapped like a dog, they, it was obvious to God that they didn't care about anybody else but themselves. Because if your head is down in the water, and keep in mind now, we're not talking about just you know, in your backyard. We're talking about on the battlefield where in, every, at any moment any man could be killed. And you're down on your hands and knees lapping. All you're doing is taking care of yourself. You're taking care of your thirst. And if your head is in the water, straight down in the water, you cannot see anything but yourself. The only person you can see is you and your reflection in the water. So it's, you can only see yourself and you can only nourish yourself. And quite frankly, if, if the enemy was to sneak up, you would have no idea they were coming. But, you know, you don't care about protecting your brother anyway because all you want to do is lap the water for yourself. But those that took the water in their hands and cupped it in their hands and then brought it to their mouth, they can nourish themselves but they can still be looking straight ahead. They can look over the mountain. They can be looking behind the trees. They can be looking for the enemy that's coming. And quite frankly, too, uh, they're not just consuming themselves with drinking that you can because you can't drink as much in your hands as you can from just sticking your head down in the water. So it's like, you know, I, I'm I'm sacrificing. I'm sacrificing. I could get more water, but I, it's it's more important to me to watch my brother's back. And God said, that's remnant. That's 300. 300 out of 32,000. 300. And he sent away the rest of Israel and every man to his own tent and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of the Midian was with him in the valley. And it happened on the same night, the same night that they got down to 300, that the Lord said to him, arise, go down against the camp and I, that I have delivered into your hand, but you 
But if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say. And afterward, your hands will be strengthened to go down against the camp. So they go down and they see the camp. And they, when they get down to the camp, uh, there was a man telling a dream to his companion. Overheard them say this. I have had a dream. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned and the tent collapsed. Then the companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of the Gideon of the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. Now, I want you to listen to that. God told uh, Gideon that he was a mighty man of valor. Even, even the Bible tells us, even then, watch, let me back up and tell you who we're talking about here. It says, now the Midianites and the Malachites and all the people of, of, of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand of the seashore in multitude. So you're talking about the Amalekites and Midianites are laying around a campfire in a war zone telling stories to each other, and one of the stories is about this mighty man of Israel. <laughs> this mighty man of Israel, Gideon. That's just amazing. So it's, it's like the enemy already knew, but all but 300 of God's people didn't. Did you get that? See, that's the thing about the remnant. The devil is scared of the remnant. The devil knows who the remnant is. The devil knows how powerful the remnant is. Uh, but the problem is the people that are in the remnant and certainly the people that are surrounded around the remnant that's going to quit – they don't. They don't know how powerful they are. Even the remnant, uh, you know, if you're part of this remnant that's left here, you still battle this insecurity, and you still probably ask yourself, how can we make a difference? It seems like the enemy is winning. It seems like the enemy is overtaking the world, and and we keep talking about this remnant, but it seems to get, be getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. What can we really do? And so it was that when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and interpretation that he worshipped, he returned to the camp of Israel encouraged. He said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp into our hands. So he took those 300 men, and this is what he did, so amazing. Divided them into three sections. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand and an empty pitcher in the other hand and torches inside the pitcher. So he had, you know, one, every, every one of the 300 had a trumpet in one hand and then an empty pitcher with a torch inside of it. And he said to them, look at me and do likewise. When I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you will also blow your trumpets on every side of the camp and begin to scream the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So let me tell you, at some point in the night, they, from the blowing of the trumpet, when the blowing of the trumpet happened, then you know what they did? They took the fire that was in the, the, the pitcher and they crashed it. And they crashed it to the ground. And when they did, there was a sound of all this stuff crashing. And then there was the glow of the fire. And the, and the sides of the mountains were, were set on fire. And then the trumpets were blowing. 300 trumpets. It sounded just like the praisers that would go, to, go before the enemy. And when they would proclaim that they were coming in the victory of the Lord, and they began to cry out the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And when they did that, it sounded like it was a massive amount of soldiers. And watch what happens. 
This is so amazing. When the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his own companion throughout the whole camp, and the army fled to Beth Acacia. In other words, they turned on themselves in panic, and those that did survive and was not killed by their own fellow soldiers uh, ran for their lives. God sifted the army of 32,000 down to 300. That's fewer than 1% were still there after two tests. My God. So, you know, when we see what we just came through, the pandemic and all of this, we see a separation. I truly believe that we're down to the 300. I believe we're down to the Gideon army. But you know what? It's so powerful because God's put a trumpet in one of your hands and he's put the fire in the other. And listen, if you could get close enough to hear the devil, you would hear them talking about you. You would hear them talking about what you are doing, what your family is doing. While you're, while you're condemning yourself, judging yourself, and disqualifying yourself, your enemy is scared to death of you. But you know what? God, all that God is asking you to do, he's not even asking you to raise a sword. He's asking you to blow the trumpet, which means your praise. And he's asking you to hold up the fire, which is signifying of the power of the Holy Ghost. And then when you crash it to the, to the ground, that's when you declare war and you begin to cry out, not the, the sword of the of the Lord and of Gideon, you cry out, the, the, the battle is not mine, the battle is the Lord's. The Lord has given us the victory. The Lord has given us the victory. And I'm going to tell you something that will set the enemy into chaos. They will not know what to say and they will not know what to do. Demons will flee from the remnant Gideon army. Ladies and gentlemen, it is up to you to make that stand. It is up to you to decide that you know who you are in God. That's what a remnant leader is. That's what a Gideon leader is. Get that trumpet in your hand. Smash that fire to the ground. Set the, set the woodside on, uh, the hillside on fire. Set the woods on fire. You got the fire. And when it's time to be nourished, when it's time to quench your thirst, pull the water to yourself. Cup it in your hands and pull it up so that you can keep your eyes open, looking out for your brother, looking out for your sister, watching for the enemy. Don't make it about you. Don't stick your head down that water. And above all, don't walk in fear. Don't go back to the camp in fear with your head held down in shame. Hold up your head, remnant. Rise. It's time. Thank you for joining me on the Remnant Leadership Podcast. I'll see you next time. Share this podcast. God bless.